Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's bonus episode. Yes, it's another Real Estate Sessions Rewind as I celebrate the sixth anniversary of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. It was August 1st, 2015 that uh, Jay Thompson's episode aired. And now as I approach every year at that anniversary time, I take a few weeks off, uh, replay some of my favorites from the past, and get a chance to kind of just uh, take take a little time off. So I hope you enjoy the Real Estate Sessions Rewinds. Uh, if you're a new listener, they're going to be from way back. Uh, and if you're uh, someone like Sean Carpenter who's never missed an episode, it's not a bad uh, idea to catch up on something you haven't heard in a few years. I will be back at the beginning of September with new episodes. In the meantime, please enjoy these Real Estate Session Rewinds. This week, we travel back to December 4th, 2018. Matt Beal of Hawaii Life Realty is just an amazing human being, Um, a wonderful episode. His life story is really cool, very interesting, and and what he does with his brokerage in some way, shape, or form is even more interesting. So really, I'm glad I had a chance to interview Matt. I hope you enjoy uh, this uh, Real Estate Session Rewind from December 4th, 2018. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 170 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And most importantly, thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow and how we continue to get really amazing guests like today's guest. I'm I'm really honored uh, to have the opportunity to interview Matt Beal. Matt's the CEO and principal broker of Hawaii Life Real Estate Brokers. And I remember seeing Matt on stage at Inman, San Francisco, probably six or seven years ago. I'll ask him about that. And he was doing some really cool things with uh, technology and websites and just the way he runs his operation. Uh, so, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Aloha, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. It's been fun you know, talking with your assistant, setting this up. And I've the aloha, um, I'm going to say that just as a mainlander who's only been to Hawaii twice, that is just a part of life. And I have to, I should be, do I need to say aloha when I'm talking to somebody on the islands or do you understand? Uh, well, I mean, it is a, it is a, it is a sort of call and response greeting. So I wouldn't say you need to do anything, but but it's certainly uh, it's certainly safe to say aloha when when someone greets you with an aloha. So sure, awesome <laughs> aloha, aloha, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> so, now you were you're not a native of Hawaii, right? I'm not. No, I uh, moved to Hawaii in 1994. Okay, and so where were you born and raised then? And, and um, let's talk about that part of your life. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I went to school in Virginia for a short stint and then transferred to Montana, the University of Montana in Missoula. And then I came to Hawaii for a meditation retreat, uh, like a a seminar. It was a 10-day seminar. And uh, so I was on a 12-day trip, and on on basically on those last two days, I just sort of had this epiphany and realized, oh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to live here. And I, you know, I, I, I always say, I, I kind of think I was probably too young to have any sense that I would stay for X period of time, or I didn't have it all planned out. Uh, but, but it is a place that's, it, it does 
it's easy to get spoiled. Uh, and, and it, you know, I ended up putting down, putting down roots and it's home for me for sure. Was there a, a trip home first before you settled your, all got your affairs all squared away, then went back or did you just stay? I, I, yeah. I packed up a container and, and you know, quit two jobs and, and I, I did, I made pretty short work of it. It, it was in, it was about a month, I think to Montana before I, before I moved back out. But yeah. And ironically, you know, I actually live on the very same street that I originally moved to. I've lived a bunch of places since, uh, but 2015, I, my wife and I bought a house. And as it turns out, <laughs> almost across the street from the, from the first home I originally you know rented when I first came to Hawaii. So wow. It's, it's full circle. Yeah. So you, you live on Kauai, which I, I think I've, I've, I've heard many people, I've never been there, um, but I've heard it's definitely the most scenic of all the islands, right? I mean, let's, let, let's talk about Kauai for a little bit. Yeah, it's a tough statement because uh, Hawaii is sort of a holographic place. I mean, er- everywhere is so incredible that it, it, as soon as you start trying to rate them, you're, you're like immediately wrong. Um, you know, that said, Kauai is incredibly beautiful and it's the oldest, well, along with Nihihau, the, the oldest island in the chain, uh, populated island in the chain. And so, and it's, it's unlike the other islands. I mean, Oahu has a little bit of this, but you don't really, you don't see any other islands and and the the water's rough, and it's just a, it's a different kind of mindset, and it's much older, and you know steeper cliffs, and it's it's uh it's it's really dramatic. It's a, a beautiful spot. What's the biggest misconception about Hawaii when uh, for for people that are coming over, or or when you're talking to someone from the mainland? Wow, that could, I, th- I might be able to write a short a short novel on that. Uh, what is the biggest misconception? Hmm. Well, I mean, sometimes I think the, and this, you know, in the overlap with, with business, I think the, the notion of sort of island time or, and hardwiring that to like mean that everyone's lazy. I think that's, that's safe to say that's wholly inaccurate. I mean, uh, you know, the truth is it's almost impossible to live here and not have the place influence who you are. And what I mean by that is that I'd venture to guess that the great majority of people <laughs> have a very uh, immediate understanding of like which way, which way the ocean is and which way the mountains are, and what the sun is doing this time of year, and which way the wind is coming from. And, um, and, and that, and the importance of the quality of the place. And so th- that it's strange. And, and I know I'm kind of, this is a little bit esoteric, but it really does uh, impact what I think a lot of people might refer to as like a work-life balance. Um, but there's a wholeness and a, and a cultural difference to the way in which work is done that I, th- I think it is distinct from the u.s mainland but it it and sometimes it can feed into this idea of you know island time um but i think that that 
structure is just largely a myth. You know, the, the notion of like island time and everyone's just cruising and it's all chill. And I think that's that there's some of that. Um, but it's the same people that are perpetuating that myth are, are attempting to live it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was, I, I was going to say something along those lines. It sounds like that sounds like somebody talking about something they want. Uh, right. Right. And that they want that, they want that ability to have that same work-life balance you just mentioned. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a curious thing, you know, work-life balance. It's like, it is a zero sum game, right? You are only ever dealing with a finite amount of time that we all have this amount of the day. Um, so it's sort of how you, how you, how you carve it out and what influences you have. Well, let's see, you get to Hawaii then full time in 1994, it sounds like, but, uh, You went to the world of real estate in 1998. So let's let's talk about what you did before real estate and what pulled you into that that world. That's funny. I uh, I when I first came to Hawaii, my first job was uh, at at a reopening a resort that was damaged by Hurricane Aniki in 1992, and so it took two years for them to reopen and. My first job was a food and beverage manager. So I, I, <laughs> I was pretty young, but I ran a, I ran a bar and a restaurant and uh, it was a, an extraordinary amount of work. I mean, just time, you know, t- time and just labor. And I, I sort of burnt out. I did that for um, a little over a year and burnt out from that. And then I, interestingly, I, I, went on what I thought was going to be a surf trip to Australia with a buddy of mine. And it slowly and slowly turned into a, a, basically a pilgrimage, like a backpacking trip all around the world. And I, I was gone for a couple of years and I came back to Hawaii in 1997. I, I left in 95 and came back in 97 and, uh, literally went all over the place. And when I came back, I, I, got back into restaurant work and at the time a lot of people were getting their license a lot of people in the hospitality industry were getting their real estate license to go sell timeshare because Kauai in particular has a lot of timeshare keys a lot of timeshare activity and the timeshare salespeople, you know make good money and there's not a ton of industry in the neighbor islands and, and that was kind of a thing that was going on and so I thought, well I'll try that and I went about halfway into my licensing course, I realized that there was just no way that I was going to be happy selling timeshare. And so literally the the night that I passed my test to get my salesperson's license, I I was, you know, having dinner at a sushi bar celebrating with a buddy. And the woman next to me at the sushi bar said, you should go talk to, you know, so-and-so and And they're looking for people. And I, I, the next day walked in, completely green i mean it just as a, a neophyte uh and hung my license there and started selling real estate and you know that's kind of how it how it all happened so it it wasn't it certainly didn't have this like <laughs> predetermined plan i didn't it wasn't a spark that went off like i'm gonna go you know get into real estate and start a business and it, it just it's just more like a plinko chip you know so i i found over the this is a i've had a lot of episodes of this podcast right and the number one job people have had before becoming a successful in the real estate industry was a bartender. Now, I'm sure you had to do a little bit of that, 
if even though you were running the place, right? But but on your travels around the world, that really intrigues me. I didn't know that part. I mean, what were the kind of things you were doing to support yourself as you were kind of traveling around, you know, with your buddy? That there had to be things you were doing there that translated over to what you do now, uh, as far as connecting with people. Oh, no question about it. I mean, I, I so almost different questions. I mean, I I only really did one. Save save for uh, crewing on a on a sailboat, which was really just in exchange for the passage. Uh, I only ever did one job and that was, I worked, uh, you know, under the table illegally at a restaurant in Australia for about four or five months, uh, which is a ton of fun. And, um, you know, that was just to kind of like take a break from sort of quote being on the road. And like, I, you know, I, I was still for a minute, but yeah, the the exposure and the the awareness of different cultures and and different value sets and uh, the way people you know relate to one another and to visitors, all of that, it, it definitely influenced me. There's no question that uh, the the places I went and the the you know, people I met, and the cultures I experienced, uh, gave me who I am, and and to a large degree. Uh, you know, impacted the way in which I conduct my you know, my business. From from what I could tell, looking at um, you know your history, success came quickly for you. Though you you were in a relatively short period of time, you became a broker in charge for a couple of brokerages on Kauai, and then yeah. in 2008, you say, you know what, I, I'm gonna I'm it's time to create my own vision of what a brokerage should be. So let's talk about that the that process, that thought behind Hawaii life. Uh, the people that worked with you to start it, and um, and for, first of all, how you know how did the other brokerages take to you when you when you opened shop? Well, it was the peak of the recession. I mean, we opened in May of '08, mm. um, and I think I think most most companies were they they were in their own triage. You know, they had their own stuff to figure out, and. Uh, there's always the the kind of aggressive positioning and you hear all the stories. I mean, I've, I've and the, the, you know, the recruitment raps that people have like, you know, against you. And like, I've heard all sorts of, you know, we call it the coconut wireless, right. This, this sort of gossip that goes around that, you know, it's pretty incredible what people are willing to say about each other. <laughs> but, right. You know, just chalk it up to competition. Um, so, yeah, there were some pretty, you know, interesting things. It's safe to say, I don't think any of us were expecting the pace of growth that we went through, uh, or or the the just the demand for the product, right? Like it it happened faster than than I would have guessed. I mean. At the time and still today, uh, it still it it felt and feels normal. Like, you know, it's not like I'm I'm living in this constant surprise. But the puck has certainly moved, right? I mean, the, you think about the world in the summer of 2008. I mean, the, the transaction volume was so low. Everyone was just really thinking about. From my perspective, I mean, we were really just focused on our our immediate current circumstances and, you know, eking out those next few deals. 
and as it turns out, so were a lot of other people. And uh, it definitely, you know, because we, we were getting results, a lot of ears perked up and, and they kind of still are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking with you from Oahu where, you know, we, we, this has kind of been the final frontier for us. We sort of started outside in, you know, neighbor islands first to use an expression and, and then to Oahu and the similar, you know, similar values and, and merit that, attracting people to us here on Oahu. That's what's gone on for, you know, the better part of these 10 years. Um, yeah. That, I, I saw you, I saw you present at Inman. I think it was either 2010 or 2011 in San Francisco. And, and Brad really loved what you were doing in Hawaii. You could tell on stage, he was, you know, really promoting you and, and you got to share the story of how Hawaii life came about. The website at that time was really something out there it's completely different from everybody else's so let's can you talk about that how uh, how you how you and your team created this this different look and feel and you approached real estate from this different angle well sure and and again let me talk about the puck moving uh it's it you know it's like the foundation and the landscape and then the product and it's all it's all a, a living thing right so it it it's still happening uh at the time and I don't remember specifically which, you know, in many event it may have been, uh, but we were the first, I think, you know, certainly among the first and, and definitely among the first with any real traffic, the first residential brokerage firm to aggregate all the MLS feeds. And we were sort of like a mini portal. And yeah, that, that was very interesting, especially 10 years ago when, there really weren't portals, you know, even the, the obsession with complaining about, you know, Zillow or, or realtor.com or, you know, they're taking our listings by golly. You know, it's like that, that world hadn't really happened yet. And we were in many ways, you know, frustrated by, and I'll just speak for myself, uh, just the, the lack of representation and, and efficacy and sort of marketing empathy in the in the, the tech space, you know, in the way in which brokerages were representing the properties they were hired to sell or, you know, the properties at large. And so it was kind of like scratching our own itch in that, in that regard. Um, and, and it's, you know, we've made a zillion mistakes and thrown all kinds of stuff up against the wall that that some stuck and some like slowly slid down in an ugly fashion. Um, and we're still doing it. You know, I mean, the, the the latest iteration of it is we're still, you know, it's for now it's still stuck to the wall. We're we're it, there's some very sweet components to it, and there's some stuff that like eh, maybe that's not the best idea, and you know, it's just a living thing. And it, it's so interesting. I mean, it feels like we're on the tenth iteration of the site, and and along the way, just like the puck has moved, I think across the industry, safe to say, in the way in which you know the, the whole world of search and 
you know, the consumer expectations and, and what, what the brokers really do. And so has the other, the other landscapes, you know, the other parts of the landscape. So we've perhaps surprisingly to some, we put out a, a, a really beautiful print publication. And at the time, you know, you, like you could look nationally at NAR's stats on where somebody finds you know, the house that they bought. And if you start parsing that in, in market segments for, for, you know, whatever, pick a, pick a whatever high end or high net worth looks like, you'll find that print represents a lot more uh, in that segment than it does like, you know, 12 to 15 X more. And so it just, and that's even a moving target, right? So all of the ways in which we we have to represent you know, both the commodity, you know, the homes that we're hired to sell, and the people are just it's a it's a dynamic, constantly changing landscape. And so we're 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 doing our best to pivot with it. And I you know, I know early on the uh, user friendliness and the the immediate access and the sort of portal nature of like just tip all the public information and make it all available. And then some of that ethos has stuck with us. Like even our intro, like all of our policies and procedures and all of our internal stuff is all open. I mean, we don't, it's not password protected. There's not, it's sort of like, you know, there's nothing sacred about that. It's just available. People can go look at it. It's kind of just been how we've always operated. Yeah, and it's fascinating. I mean, it, it, it as as I'm sure you know, it's it's a uh, we we're it's like almost as if time is literally going faster, you know. And and the, the scope of this profession of our industry, it's it's the sort of shot out of a cannon. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, <laughs> a little bit more. Um, I, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to get back a little bit to your comment about Oahu. I I saw some news that you had recently partnered up with a luxury group on Oahu that really kind of opened up and expanded the presence there. So talk about that collaboration and, and working with, I think, a very seasoned, right, um, yeah. brokerage. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. that. Uh, Pat Choi, probably, I think, she was the top agent on Oahu for 15 of the last 16 years. Mm, wow. <laughs> so, okay. And it's not a, it's not a, a kind of a classic, you know, Pareto principle, she's obviously a, a, a force, but the people in the firm, you know, it wasn't like there was this crazy long tail of, you know, people that don't do any business. These are very seasoned professionals who with extreme focus and really targeted market segments and absolute, you know, pros. Uh, and so the fact that we, you know, that they reached out to us and that we kind of fired on enough cylinders together to to make those two teams all work together uh, is really really a huge acknowledgement and it's brilliant and it i think anytime two organizations get together there's there's sort of this process by which those, those like venn diagrams kind of where that overlap continues to to happen and we're still in that um but it's been it's been really awesome to see that group of people kind of get turned on by uh, the new things that, that sort of didn't exist for them previously and the product that we get to put on the table. And then for us to get to play with them and the, the people that they represent and the, the 
the way in which they do it, because it, it really is, uh, it's been a, a wonderful learning curve for us as well. Uh, and it's, and it's sweet because we're, you know, it, it's a great access to a, a really uh, consistent market base for us. I mean, we're, we are flatly uh, arrived, so to speak, sure. in the marketplace. Do you, do you mind sharing the, the technology that kind of runs your operation, whether it's on the lead gen side or CRM, transaction management? Well, lead gen sort of a koosh ball. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of rays leading to that, that, okay. that one. I mean, but um, basically everything is run on Salesforce. And so all roads kind of lead to Rome there. Lead gen is, you know, pick a channel and, in as much as we're we're running it from a corporate level, and we certainly encourage and, and uh, you know, work to sustain that process for the individual brokers and agents. But like any technology, you've got you know there's power users and there's people that are like I don't want to touch it, and that's completely at their discretion. But all the channels, you know, pick a, a Facebook or or pick any anything you can consider that might be a you know, a lead generator, um, pick a portal, all of them, they're all going to work through Salesforce. We also use it for our transaction management, listing management, uh, all the feeds are in there. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a very comprehensive setup. You know, it's, it's property base, you know, on top of Salesforce. I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit with you. You, uh, volunteerism is a common thread through a lot of the conversations I have on this podcast. And you're, you're no different. You, you served as president of the Kauai board. Uh, you're a director at the state level. Why is that so important to you, the volunteerism that you uh, perform? You know, at first, it, it, at first it was the education. So, and, and kind of just understanding, you know, who the people are and kind of how the sausage is made at the, at the sort of realtor organization level. And as we grew, you know, it's a it's this sort of sweet love affair with Hawaii, where you know you, you we're we're in a lot of markets and we're across a very broad state with a lot of a lot of families and and communities and you know there's there's depth to that and I think there's it, it just comes with this very obvious responsibility. And, you know, like any organization, there's this, this kind of this distinction and this willing, this idea of like, you, of course, you want to take care of your own people. So, you know, you, you get into philanthropy by way of like, you know, sponsoring the canoe club or sponsoring the so-and-so softball team or, you know, uh, this, this person's got a pet project or whatever it is. And it's, it was kind of part and parcel. And then there's there's this overarching realization that you know this is you know, there's all these buzzwords with corporate responsibility or social responsibility and some of the, some of that stuff is a little you know it's in, in, in a weird way sort of marginalizing I mean it, it just is a part of it has to just be an expression of who you are as, as individual people and as organizations. And so, anyway, the the parlay from that education and the the obvious, you know, service and the value that comes back to 
you know, us as individuals into the organization and, and kept that going into things that aren't, you know, real to organizations. Um, you know, in some cases, like for example, I'm right now I'm the, the president of high central, which is the for-profit MLS uh, company on Oahu. And it's just interesting to be on a for-profit board and it, and the same kind of thing. It's, it's, you know, validating and, and great education. And I'm the, the outgoing president of an organization called the Hawaiian Islands Land Trust, which is the largest uh, accredited land trust in the state. I mean, we have 18,000 acres under conservation and it's a big land conservation organization. It's a ton of work, but it is incredibly fulfilling and, and, and a, a deep education. And, you know, I, I, it's interesting. It's like, I always feel like I deal, I deal mostly in people and the relationships that come out of that are, are so moving and inspiring and profound and furthering that. And, and you know, the, the obvious part is the work is, is just lovely. And so to align around that is, is just awesome. You know, there's, I don't know how better to describe it. And, you know, uh, there's a woman who, helps us manage our the company has a fund hawaii life has a separate fund for the brokers and agents who they run it themselves called the hawaii life charitable fund and the whole idea was to kind of kick that out of the nest and and encourage uh, self-governed philanthropy that they raise the money and they they organize the grants and they they handle it uh, themselves without you know me as sort of broker daddy saying you guys should do this and you should do that we're going to go this way it gives and it gives the the freedom for the kind of, you know, ownership or leadership to do whatever they're going to do and have this, this agent run group. Anyway, the woman that facilitates that fund, she said, you know, you, you don't, you can't just like touch people with a wand and turn them into givers. You know, they, they have to, it's a slow process and they have to they have to grow into it and learn the value of it for themselves. Uh, and so, I mean, I really, I really see that it's really true, whether it's at a volunteer level and, and the, you know, I always say it's sort of time, talent, and treasure, right? So, uh, as you give your time, you 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 realize the personal rewards of that. And, you know, as, as you give your treasure, you realize the rewards of that. Uh, it it it's a it's a powerful thing. I, you know, I I definitely encourage everybody to uh, to pull at that thread for themselves. I I would think that the this ties directly into why you continue to do even more <laughs> with your already busy schedule, but you, you produce an annual conference called worth shop and yeah, not your typical real estate conference, but it, it seems to me like um, maybe this is a place where people can learn how to pull that thread. Is that, am I on the right track? Sure. I mean, I, I, uh, in as much as, especially you're, you know, you're going to be hanging out with, uh, people who are on that path for sure. There's no question about it. I mean, it's funny, like, like almost everything that we've done, <laughs> um, workshop very quickly took a life of its own and like sailed out of Harbor and just kept going. And, and it's like, I, you know, <laughs> I guess that boat's in the water. And so, yeah, it is, it is not a, there's certainly nothing typical about it. There is always a, a philanthropic, you know, weave in there and which I think is also just very it's partly living in Hawaii. Uh, so like one of the speakers 
this year is the CEO of the Hawaii Community Foundation, which is the largest philanthropic organization you know in the state, and they just do incredible work. And it's just so moving to you know even get ten minutes with a guy. I mean, it's 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 awesome. What and the the insight that they have, the trajectory, and you know what's going on in the the for profit space and the non profit space and how they're overlapping. It's just it's it's really special. But yeah, if you're if you're available. It's December 14th and 15th at the Mauna Kea Beach Hotel on the Big Island, on Hawaii Island. And so it's coming right up. And it's, it's a two-day gig, and there's lots of speakers. And this year, we're doing these all sorts of different excursions. We're going to get people out on the water and uh, get them on hikes. And it's going to be really cool. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, we'll put a link to it in the show notes for anybody yeah. that gets a chance to, to, to make that trip. Let me, I want to ask you the, the, you know, the burning question in real estate that's probably not as big a problem on Hawaii as it is everywhere else in the country, it feels like. But that's the, the new, the iBuyers, the, the low-cost people like Purple Bricks and uh, Homey. And, you know, I'm talking offer pad, open door, all this disruption. There's that word. I had to use it that's spreading yeah. across the states. What, what's your take on all this venture capital that's pouring in? And also, you know, specifically for Hawaii, how does it? How is it going to affect you there? Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I, I sort of will play the Hawaii card in as much as I get to say that I don't know. There are certainly very constraining factors in even doing like an ABM in Hawaii just because uh, the, the way the zoning and, uh, you know, there's just a whole bizarre set of factors that make those things challenging doesn't mean you can't sort of you know uh, algorithm your way out of most things but i think there there's only going to be a a very specific market segment that will be low-hanging fruit enough for those kinds of firms to really participate in in hawaii Uh, i could be wrong i'm certainly have been wrong many things before I, I do, you know, there's, there's certainly a tendency in the real estate profession to focus a lot of energy in one place. And, and it's often a, sort of a manic, existential, kind of concerning energy, <laughs> you know, like, like not quite chicken little, but something like that. Um, so I kind of have to take the, the, the intensity of those conversations with a grain of salt. Because look, you know, not, not however many years ago, it was all about the portals. It was all, you know, it's like, I, I used to say, it's like you guys are just taking a bath in the same water every day. It's like, after a while, it gets kind of gross. I mean, the, the constant complaining about somebody, you know, some public company running a website and putting a bunch of listings up on it and then selling you ads. It's like, come on guys, like you can find another problem in your life. And, and in some degree that I think the iBuyers, the panic around the iBuyers has kind of replaced that. Um, now that said, you know, the broader question of all of this public money is quite interesting, you know, in as much as it, it leaves the, the kind of software and iBuyer world behind and gets into things like Compass or, even, you know, even NRT and Realogy and, and this idea of using money as a weapon, so to speak, you know, and just coming in and just 
what what might look like to you know individual operators like grossly overpaying for a business or an agent or you know, something like that just to like wedge into market share i can totally see how threatening and concerning that is and and th- those are very valid concerns i mean I, I have friends that are that are dealing with that right now in their markets you know in the u.s continent and again you know you you just have to apply a little bit of tenacity and and pragmatism and, and not get you know spun out because <laughs> it's very easy to you know like like the software is coming the software is coming it's like okay guys take a break you know right i find that i love the way you put that um like facebook is a very noisy place in the real estate groups it has been for years but but it's getting yeah. ramped back up again you know with with uh, all this other stuff that's coming along so I like yeah. your I like your advice. A, a grain of you know, grain of salt with each of the <laughs> with those with the intensity. I, I do get out with with you know people whom I respect and people who I, I think are mentors to me. But I haven't been on Facebook in a year. You know, I don't. I, we're, I'm a tech enabled firm, right? I you know, we we do a lot of technology stuff, and but personally, I'm down to like Twitter. You know, Twitter and LinkedIn, if I want to say something, it's like I, I and, and it's a it's brilliant. It's been a profound personal shift. You know, it's just not, it's not something I need to spend time on. Um, now, granted, my world, you know, I'm not in, in day to day sales and I, I manage teams if and when I, I do you know, take listings, for example. But but nonetheless, I mean, it's just all of these things warrant kind of it's like it's like in the restaurant business it's this expression mise en place like everything in its right place it's like that you know you, it's like, <laughs> there, yeah just because you got some value out of something doesn't mean that that everything you do with it is valuable right right um <laughs> i think that's that's very there's some misconceptions especially when it comes to things like facebook again not saying that there's no value there it just sometimes can can be really, really misplaced and misused. Yeah. There's a time and a place, like you said. <laughs> so, um, you know, let me, let me ask you my final question, Matt. It's something I ask every guest, uh, and, uh, and I've had you here well over the half hour I asked of your time. It's if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, just getting started in the business, what would it be? That's so interesting. <laughs> it's definitely changed over time. And I, I think because of the stigma around it, I, 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 I never, would bring this up and it was almost became, I don't know, like a, like a non sequitur, but the answer is to learn to meditate. Uh, you know, I, I used to dance around it a little bit, but I, I really do firmly believe that in, in this profession and maybe on this planet, uh, living in these times with, with so many changes and so much input and these influences and, you know, the ability to just hone your mind, you know, have some mindfulness and, and understand what focus is, you know, how, how to how to direct your attention and and use it for your benefit is is huge. And the practice of meditation is so simple and it and that's exactly what it does. You know, it's not unlike lifting weights, right? You just, you just got to get reps. Um that's you know it's, I know it's a very kind of esoteric and overarching bit of advice, but 
I think it's more powerful than any of the stuff, the ways in which I've answered that question, you know, countless times before I've said stuff like, you know, don't you know, take every name you can get, or uh, don't feel like you have to do all the business, you know, all those little kind of cliches and, and anecdotes are great. But if you're not, if you're not going in, you know, of sound mind, it's, it's sort of all for naught. That's the first uh, time that has been the answer in 170 episodes. So <laughs> congratulations. <All> right. <laughs> <Napism>. <laughs> Something original. That's yeah. great. Very well done. Well, Matt, thank, if, if someone wants to reach out to you, is there a way that they can do that? Sure. Uh, I'm just Matt at hawaiilife.com or uh, I'm Matt Beal on Twitter. I reserve the right to not respond immediately to Twitter or email, but, <laughs> but I'm, pretty available Um, or or you know come see us come to workshop that's that's the greatest way matt i can't thank you enough for your time it's really i knew this was going to be a fun conversation it was it exceeded my expectations thank you so much for your time today thanks for having me i appreciate it thank you for listening to the real estate sessions please head over to rate this podcast.com forward slash re sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the real estate sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app (laughs) 